0: Welcome to Miracles in Recovery with Ray Lynch. If you are one of the millions of people facing addiction issues or the loved one of someone who is, we're here to help and to discuss solutions. Hope is in your corner. Now, here's your host, Ray Lynch.
1: And here is Lynch with a lot clearer mind and more open heart, I guess I would say. Um, I just want to share with all you Red Sox fans: the Yankees are up four to nothing right now. And sorry about your loss this afternoon, but hey, life goes on, people. Hi, Ellen. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Fantastic. So I guess that we may be not we, but I guess we as a group may be moving into a new home soon. Well, we're hoping. You're hoping you, you hoping. see something that makes sense, and
2: the price is right. Yeah, um, the work would be fun to fix it up. I'm, I've been houseless for those of you who haven't heard my story for the last six or eight months, looking for a house and getting more and more depressed. And I think we might have found the one today. So.
1: Right, it's not homeless. It's like it's, I was. It's
2: houseless. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We don't want to. We don't. <laughs> I actually have a friend who is homeless. And he reminded me that I was not homeless, I am houseless. Yeah, I take that.
1: Exactly, exactly. And you were were probably like saying, ah, we're homeless. No, 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 no. I mean, (laughs) think about it. There are
2: people who really and truly are
1: homeless out there. There's no park bench involved. Exactly. uh, you know, I was looking... I actually went to the phone store today, and when the gentleman pulled up my account, he said, "Oh, miracles and recovery. You're the radio show." And I said, "Yeah." And he only said that because he remembered, not because he listens. Because he remembered, and he was aware. He's a young kid, and he was aware. He, he you know, just random Joe citizen is so aware of what's going on that he sent me this article. And um, it's from the New York Times. It was two days ago. Catherine Selye, S-E-E-L-Y-E-E, wrote it. And uh, what it is is, as overdose deaths pile up, a medical examiner quits the morgue. Concord, New Hampshire. In the state morgue here, in the industrial maze of a hospital basement, Dr. Thomas A. Andrew was slicing through the lung of a 36-year-old woman when white foam seeped out onto the autopsy table. Foam in the lungs is a sign of an acute intoxication caused by by an opioid. So is a swollen brain, which she also had. Now, that's something that I never really knew, that your lungs got Foamy. I thought that you just stopped breathing, forgot to breathe. And I guess ultimately, what happens when you stop breathing is your lungs don't know what to do without the air and they stop. Well,
2: I think it's the blood flow, too. You know, there's Mm -hmm. fluid in. Your blood, that the circulation, yeah. which includes the lungs, um, when that stops, I think the fluid builds up. It's like
1: congestive heart failure. Exactly. But exactly. I, I didn't, you yeah. know,
2: the, the graphic nature of, of calling it foamy
1: and also the swollen brain, I didn't know. No, I was totally unaware yeah. that, that, that that took place because nobody really spoke of that, you know? So, so that kind of like when the kid said it to me, he goes, Oh, yeah, you said that the, you know, the doctor, um, like, white foam came out, and I was like, well, that's like nothing that I really ever heard of. I always thought you just forgot Kinda to breathe. breathing and,
2: and peeled yeah. over, and that was So,
1: it. you know, there's a lot of things going on within ourselves that the general public doesn't even know. I mean, enough to have this medical examiner want to quit his job working in a morgue. And, well, and, he
2: says they're completely overwhelmed. Yeah,
1: but that's what I'm saying he's he's spending way too much time. I guess I guess an uh, an autopsy takes over two hours, and they're spending way too much time. Of course, it's in New Hampshire where it's very rampant, right. and I don't necessarily know why New Hampshire is that much greater, um, of an avenue of opioid dependence or abuse than any other state. Well, you there are
2: pockets. I think one of the worst is in the Rust Belt, in Ohio and Kentucky. Well, that's
1: what I always thought. I mean, you see, you see the, you know, but, the statistics come up. But your out.
2: old stomping grounds in Boston is a hotbed too. There are places in New York, uh-huh. uh, in upstate New York.
1: Oh, yeah. More so, more so than in yeah. the city. And more you so than in would, the city, yeah.
2: and and here in Florida, there are pockets. I mean, people think Miami because you think about the eighties yeah. and the drugs, but Miami's not as bad as a lot of the other areas. I think Hillsborough County has probably the worst.
1: Which is crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's. it's and got,
2: in Atlanta, yeah. I was just um I was talking to one of my office mates who lives in Atlanta, and she was telling me how bad it is there. And it's particularly bad in the wealthier northern suburbs in Atlanta.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're not
2: finding this so much in some of the poorer areas.
1: And, but now, see, the thing The thing about that is, is and this is only my very uneducated um, opinion or uh, opinion, I guess, a long time ago, 20 years ago, um, it was – attacking the affluent people up north you know the mm-hmm. all the the haves right the have-nots really didn't have access to it in the sense of you know that it would wipe out like my my community i, I don't know countless people 30 years ago from from the day i started using in 19 19- 70 something, 70 new, um, to today, to look at my community, it's affected physically every single family Mm -hmm. that I know. And that's with, that's with death. That's with secondary illnesses that, that have caused death. So when I, you know, when I was, when I got clean at 28, I had probably gone to, 75 to 90 funerals of people that I went to school with, that I played baseball with, that I played football with, that I personally knew. That's not normal.
2: No. And, and, you know, the community that I grew up in in the 70s,
1: I don't think there was a
2: single person doing heroin.
1: (laughs) So now it's flipped. We're in Atlanta. They weren't doing that. Right right? That that just wasn't, that wasn't common, maybe at once every, every so often. And now in my community, it's really kind of unheard of. I mean, yes, there are people who overdose, but not as much as a rapid pace as in Cincinnati, as in Atlanta, as in New Hampshire. New Hampshire is only an hour and a half away from where I live. Right. So I don't know if it, if it, Breeds itself, and, and and I'm talking like it's like this kind of entity, but it is.
2: Well, there there is a business. There are several yeah. cartels out of Mexico, yeah. and they they infiltrate not the big cities anymore, but the smaller towns they because it's to easier. They move
1: convenient for them. Yeah, right. and,
2: and they mm-hmm. you know it's very easy. It's like calling an Uber driver, only you're calling your drug dealer. Right they, it's under know, the radar. Well, everything yeah, was done by somebody shows up with was, coordinates right. and and, mm-hmm. and a cell phone and yeah they you know there you are and it's very easy and they don't carry enough to get arrested for big huge you know big huge trouble just small possession charges right. and they're mm-hmm. deported and another one takes their place and and it's it's been happening for until the a heat while. comes
1: on until the heat comes on and then they move to Hillsborough County and then when the heat comes on they'll move to they another hire, county. they, you know, they move yeah. to a different
2: apartment they get different cars yeah. they get different guys and and the whole thing starts over again wherever they are. But, you know, the people who want the drugs are never without the drugs. No,
1: exactly. Exactly. But because But I they'll don't follow them.
2: see, you know, and, and I follow our local police departments because I know we've got a huge problem here. And I don't see a large number of arrests being reported locally. And I see a lot of people who are arrested from other larger metropolitan areas. It's kind of interesting to watch the trend. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, but, uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily know if, I mean, I know that, like, say, in, in Palm Beach County, uh, they have, you know, this task force mm-hmm. for sober living and, and all of that. And I think they are trying to mimic that both in Martin and St. Lucie yes, County. Yes, I need to. Um, and I think they're they're taking baby steps to do that. Which ultimately, what happens is, is they chase them out of Palm Beach, and either and they, they go north or south, and they don't really go south because Broward is all is already kind of they're
2: in the know. What happens yeah. is, you come to a smaller, kinder, gentler place like here and buy some right. houses, and nobody mm-hmm. really knows what's going on yeah. until it's too late, and they're in there
1: until we kill some kids, and yeah. then yeah, and, and, I don't and say we, but until they kill until some kids, they kill and then yeah, they're
2: they're, yeah. they're in the neighborhoods and. And everybody's upset, but there's really nothing you can do,
1: no, absolutely not because
2: there's there have never really been a lot of standards for these types of sober living
1: facilities, and you would hope you would hope that, you know, uh, Dave Arenberg went because he's he is very
2: he's in, really taken up the cause
1: right. And you would figure that there would be some kind of state regulation.
2: I think there are a lot proposed. of people who have been trying to get that yeah. going, but I guess, yeah. and I don't know all the ins and outs, but it must be very difficult. How how
1: is that? De- you know, like like well, you, you see you, on you TV need- with it, you see on TV with everything and every law. The you know Congress jokingly says, "Well, we don't have two weeks because it's going to take six months." Well, right. what are you knuckleheads doing? Yes,
2: like why?
1: Yeah, but I
2: think you know if I am. I am an individual citizen in this country and I buy a house and there are no HOA, you know, Homeowners yeah. Association rules. I can do whatever I want to with it. And that's basically unless what there's
1: Unless there's an ordinance passed within the county saying that, you know, in, in Massachusetts, there was um, a long time ago when I was working for a lab up there doing urine drug screening, we would go and facilitate the screens within the house. And there were a lot of houses that did that just popped up out of anywhere and there was forty seven people living in a yeah in a three decker with, with not enough you know, they were sleeping on couches and the and the people were making of all of this money. Yeah. And ultimately if you used you'd pay fifty dollars more for the rent for that week or something like that. There was it was out of control. Um so what the counties and cities had to do because the state couldn't do it that quick. The state couldn't pass ordinances like that. The counties and cities could go into their little local city council meetings and pass an ordinance for the city saying that not more than four families could live within a location like that. So it immediately put all the other people out. Sadly, What happened was, is that everyone who was ultimately in that needed to go through the eviction process. You can't just throw somebody out on the street.
2: Months and months of that. Months
1: and months and months of that. So, you know, it's working in the right direction. And... I don't know what the answer is and the answer is that they should have something in place so that when a fam- when something pops up like this there needs to be some type of a license so if yes. you know if ultimately a neighbor calls and says I see six or seven guys in and out of in and out of that house across the street there should be something to be able to knock on the door and go uh-uh.
2: Yeah, let's see your lease yeah. agreement with all of these guys. Right, and
1: they don't even have the right of—they don't have the right of um, shelter at that point. The people that are in there because they have violated the ordinance that is in right. place, so that they can't go. Okay, now you need to evict me. No, you didn't go about it properly, so you—you you, you don't belong in this residence. I—I I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that well, you know we're not trying I to reinvent the wheel here. To be
2: more places. You know real live places for people to go when they first get sober, when they're homeless, when right. they get out of rehab, and there aren't and and there are very there are a large number of very unscrupulous people who are taking advantage of families mm-hmm. who are taking advantage of the addicts themselves.
1: but if they were connected somehow to the to the chain of you know detox, rehab exactly uh, that's the way they should be. It should yeah. be
2: another step, yeah you go to detox, you go to rehab, you go to yeah, you know, a three-quarter house for lack of a better mm-hmm. word, down to halfway down to, you know, maybe a sober living where you're just about ready to go out on your own, but there, you know, with different levels of supervision, rules, requirements. You know, maybe you don't need to go out and get a full-time job at the very beginning.
1: Right. You know, maybe and that's in too much. And in the perfect in the perfect recovery world and in the recovery process, that would be The way that that we would see it. Sadly, like you said, there are people out there that are there are vultures out there that are preying on a dollar and they're not in it for recovery. They're not in it for anything but the money. And, you know, sadly, we see people, mothers, fathers, loved ones that we have spoken to. That or, or even maybe even you that have gotten smoked.
2: Oh, totally. You
1: know what I Several mean? Several times. And
2: yeah. Several I, times. Yeah. You know, and, and, and especially when in sending my daughter out of state. Yeah. Um,
1: I didn't and that's know. what happens down here a lot. Yeah. People don't come from Florida. I
2: didn't know. I sent her to California. That's about as far from Florida as you can get. The facility was a good one, supposedly. It was a beautiful house. Yeah, and, and right. you know, well, she went through the rehab program and went to a sober living, and it was very nice. Relapsed, went back to, you know, back and forth several yeah. times, but uh, ultimately got kicked out, had nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. And it was a nightmare getting her back here. It took several days. She ran off with people <laughs> yeah. from, from yeah. the house well, and, uh, you know, arrests oh, and everything. That else was later. what? um… Oh.
1: Uh, six years ago. No, no, no. I'm. I'm just thinking. I'm. I'm just trying to reprocess it in my mind. It was Temecula, right? Yes. W-
0: wine tomorrow. country.
1: Wine country. But then she. I,
0: I ended don't know. Up She, in LA she ended
1: up with like Andy Dick or something yeah. like that, yeah. didn't she? Yeah. Like, like what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. I had life coaches calling me yeah. saying they needed all this money to take care of. Her. I mean, it's. It was crazy, and. She fortunately had enough presence of mind, I don't know how, to realize that she needed to get that yeah. out of there and made him take her to the airport and I got something's, her
1: Something's wrong, yeah, yeah. Something's very wrong. But
2: even in her muddled mind, she knew something was wrong. Yeah, and,
1: and you know, that's high. one thing. one thing, fortunately enough, that happened to me when I got clean. I knew something was wrong. And, you know, divine intervention or whatever you want to call it, saturation, bottom, I think the majority of people come to a point where you know something's wrong. Either you keep pushing through that, right? Either your disease lies to you and keeps pushing you through that and you don't make it, or that's the point where at least temporarily you're willing to give up just a little bit of the disease's control to say, hey, you know something? I think I may... I need to go fatten up a little bit so I can go run like a nut again. Yeah. And that's what happens. There's no, there's no intent of, I, I haven't, minimal people that I have spoken to or have come in contact with, with the 28 years that I have clean have said, you know, the first time that I had that thought was the last time that ever used.
2: I don't think I've ever met anybody who said that. God love you.
1: I mean, God love you if that's where you went because you know your your damage point was minimal. Maybe not. I mean maybe you ran like so
2: bad that it was was so bad that yeah most people it's an up and down
1: Exactly. And um And that's
2: okay. That's the way it works.
1: Yeah. And and I think I think maybe even even the mind the mindset Tells you, okay, maybe you need to back off a little bit because I've been running you this hard yeah. because you, you're just a shell of a human. I, I weighed 132 pounds out there. That's wow. nuts. <laughs> that's, that's nuts. More than me. I had, a, I had less a, than had I had a 26 inch waist and my I mean pants and my and my pants were falling off. Wow. Yeah, like that's skeleton. That's yeah, skeletal. skeletal. And uh, you know, I thought that I looked good. You know, and if you would like to share a little bit about your story and share with our audience how you got through, how you made it through, give us a call, eight six six four seven two five seven nine two. Eight six 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 5792 six 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 six
2: six 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 six
3: six 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 four seven two five seven nine two. We'll share a little bit more on this topic when we come back. We'll be back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. There is a difference in health and wellness programs. There can be mainstream programs, and then there is something extra. That something extra is called tips to keep you healthy, happy, and motivated with your host, Kristen Harper. If you want to hear some behind-the-scenes talk radio when it comes to health and wellness, the why as well as the how, Be sure to tune in each week. This show will inspire you to be healthy and happy for life, as well as become the best version of yourself. Listen Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent You
0: probably don't spend too much time talking about that place down there. Why not? There's now a show where that's mostly what we talk about and so much more. It's the Womb Happy Hour with host Lorraine Giordano. It's all about your body and the magical power you possess. Guys, you might want to tune in too. There's no reason to be squeamish. Listen for the Womb Happy Hour, broadcasting live every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health & Wellness Channel.
1: Welcome back to Miracles in Recovery to segment 2. It just goes by way too quick. It I mean, really I, does. we were talking and and I got the I got the uh, the ding for 4 minutes. I was like, what? <laughs> uh, dial in 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. Share a little bit of your experience, strength and hope or even call and ask for assistance. We are fortunate enough to know a lot of people in a lot of different places and, you know, recovery reaches out to all areas of the globe. And if you're struggling and you're looking for a little bit of good orderly direction, give us a call. Maybe we can point you in the right direction or maybe we can put you in touch with someone who is in your area that will be able to assist you firsthand. I know it's, I know it's, you know, when I was out there, I would be like, you know, who really wants to help me or I'm not calling a stupid radio show or, you know, the famous last words of an addict is it's not going to happen gonna. to me. I'm not going to. It's not going to happen to me. I can't. I won't. It's your fault. It's that, you know, and sadly, the majority of those people don't make it. So if you're out there and you would like to see Christmas. <laughs> That's the reality of it. Give us a call. It really is. Yeah, give us we're a call. we here. Uh, we were talking about. We were talking about um, death, of course, because we're talking about addiction. And during the break, Ellen had said that um, the the coroner. Can you read that again?
2: Yeah. the The pathologist that was in the article that Ray opened the show with um, was he's actually quitting to become a deacon in the Methodist Church to try to, yeah, you know, he's been touched by seeing all this death related to what's going on with the opioid crisis. And I didn't realize it, but New Hampshire actually has the highest death rate in the entire country. It's even higher than Ohio or anywhere else. Which is crazy. It, it is crazy. And he, in the past year, I guess pathologists are only allowed to perform 250 autopsies in a year. Or risk losing their accreditation and he performed that many as did his deputy so that's 500 just between the two of them in of this one county but his his plan is to become a deacon and start working with kids because he, you know i think he's going to try to reach them spiritually he said he started thinking about the spiritual aspect of all this
1: know, sudden early.
2: death and it, and it, you know i i think it's he will probably be a wonderful blessing to a lot of people.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure with, with what he has seen. You know, the, but the thing is, is, like we were even saying during the break, uh, you take those numbers and then you add the normal attrition rate of life to that day. That daily load, or that weekly load, that annual load, and then you also take the veterans, which number is is at number is at like twenty two per day, yeah, and you know it's it's no wonder that people are looking at this opioid crisis going. Man, this is this is just ridiculous with with the load that they're giving us. We're not you know, with the knock in that we have to use, with the with the autopsies that we have to do. Um yeah, with all, with
2: how all, do all the we, emergency calls. I mean it's it's very it's very
1: traumatic for everyone. How do we say it any easier than help us stop this crap?
2: Yeah. There needs there there definitely needs to be
1: more Organized help, right? Because everybody, you know, and everybody that I speak to, even like the kid that I spoke to today at the at the uh, T-Mobile store, he was he was like, you know, I'm well aware of this. Well, you know something, and nothing against him because he he's he's uneducated. He's he has uneducated uh, thought process about it. But what about everybody that does? Yeah. What about you? What about I? We're talking about. We need to do this. We need to do that, and then we go about our life and we don't really pull the trigger there are people out there that can pull the trigger and we don't really do anything about it yeah, and so that number never number goes it's down. down yeah, yeah right it's going up. because it's so overwhelming it it's is. nowhere to start it is well, but
2: you know it's been happening and he even pointed this out you know he's been keeping statistics since something like 1996 when he saw the beginning of this epic yep. epidemic start that's Mm -hmm. 21 years yeah what are we doing what have we been doing in 21 years we we are proving that the old ways of rehab don't work i don't know that they ever did there just weren't as many people who needed it right um so how do we organize
1: well there were as many people that needed it there just weren't as many people um that the community was aware of, you know, because when I was when I was out struggling, um, I would say there were just as many because like they were all dying. They never made it to the point of 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 the recovery shuffle. They never made it there. They died.
2: But that's you what's know? happening now. 144 yeah. a day, that's
1: yeah, it that wasn't was at one hundred and forty four a day because we have all of this fentanyl carfentanyl and all this other right. crap that the people are stuff is ingesting now. this this crazy crocodile. Uh, crocodile that we were talking about last week that scales your skin and you they say that that's the most lethal the most lethal ride that you can be on. No one makes yeah. it out past most, the eighteen the months.
2: The you're gonna you know, eighteen months to two years and you are gone. Because it takes such a terrible toll on your body. Yeah. But I I wonder, you know, how how to even begin to start to stem the tide. Where do you start? How do you right. how do you stop this? Yeah. How do you help the tremendous number of people that are out there? Yeah. I know I personally know a couple of veterans who are struggling with this opioid addiction. And the things that they have to go through, the things that they see, the things that they do uh-huh. You know, I'm sure contribute to their mental health, and I don't know that we do enough for them when they come back.
1: No, we don't. And and, and sadly, um, I've said this. I've said this before, and the only way that we can really start is at the basic level of a recovery facility. What we do in a recovery facility, or what is done in a recovery facility, is Susie is an excellent client. Susie seems to kind of get it. So we hire Susie as, uh, well, not necessarily a counselor well, right tech. away, as a tech. She's, Susie's doing great at her job, but her level of education within recovery is within that facility only. She could be working there for five years. How much real understanding does she have? She doesn't really she only has the understanding of what is being shared with her and what she's kind of like getting through osmosis being there. No, like
2: there's, what, no educa-
1: what, there's no there's no there's um, no education.
2: Well the, yeah, real. the broader yeah. aspects of different types of I mean there are so many different types of of protocols. You know, there there's medication assisted therapy in the form of methadone right. in the form of suboxone in the form of vivitrol shot. You know, and there are a lot of people who are having some success with that, but it is not mainstream. It is roundly, you know, trounced by the 12-step programs. They don't want mm-hmm. you to use it. They, you know, they ridicule the people that try to come and get support. Um, there's a, a drug called, I, I'm not sure if I'm even pronouncing it right, but Ibogani. I-B-O-G-A-I-N-E. Anyway, it's not legal call, in the you're United States. You were calling
1: me Sudsy a couple of weeks ago, so whatever you say, <laughs> it's, it's
2: not legal in the United States. Yeah. But they do, they do it in other countries, and there are some people who, once they have gone through, and it's like a almost like an LSD
1: like a type brain hallucinogenic, Oh, it's almost like a, like they they well, do with that uh, um, ayahuasca stuff.
2: It's an immediate detox, as well as you go through all this hallucinogenic stuff, and some people. I don't know how. I don't know what the numbers are. They actually do it in was Canada, Was Dave too. was
1: Dave telling us about that? Somebody said something about that, that and and we didn't really. I don't know if it was one of the brain well, some or the, of the nose the groups people that I'm or. In,
2: you know, some of the moms have sent their kids. They do it a lot in Mexico too. Yeah, and, and some of the islands, and they've sent their kids, and it has worked, and they are, you know, immediately clean, and that's the end of it.
1: But also, in the same token, the box, the the recovery box that we offer doesn't work for everyone as well as well, I'm that sure that that work. doesn't and, either. You
2: know, medication-assisted therapy yeah. doesn't mm-hmm. work for everyone. Traditional rehab doesn't seem to work for everyone. 12-step programs don't seem to work for everyone. But there are all these options out there if they were mainstreamed and, you know, I don't want to say institutionalized, but standardized. Right. Um, and you could even study people with the disease of addiction. But look, how long, to it, know, look how
1: long it 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 takes the government. Look, they were there were people who were dying from HIV ultimately to AIDS for many, many years, and people were recovering, or not recovering, but but getting better and having productive lives in different countries. And they were just they were they were they became the guinea pigs of of the uh like testing. And they were they were positive tests. And to go through the bureaucracy of, of yeah, the yeah. United States takes seven, eight, nine, ten years. You're dead. Yeah. So to, in order to change and in order for the recovery community or the recovery world to embrace, actually to embrace um, a new way of using mind uh, oh. altering because it's a substance, a mind altering right. way to do it. It blows them right out of the water because then their their recovery model of 30, 45, 70, 70, 90 days. Whoa, 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 Wait a minute, you're cutting into my money train yeah, here. Exactly. And you know, and all you have to do is spend lucrative. a couple of hundred dollars on this liquid, and you. Well, no,
2: I mean it's a, it's an actual. Program I'm just saying. Where you I'm, go just, but and I'm just say saying that
1: several. It may even be weeks. That doesn't make sense to my bottom line. True. You True know? Because
2: if somebody's cured, they're not going to come back five times. They're not going to stay in your facility for ninety days. No, if their insurance will pay for it, or they've got a lot of money. Um, mm. So I don't, I don't know. And then, then there's still the concept of you have to be willing and ready enough as to an addict embrace it. to be able yeah. to embrace it, no matter to allow what it, it is. to work. Yes. to
1: allow it to work because so
2: yeah, maybe mm-hmm. I don't know. There should be more people studying. How this actually affects the brain, because everybody's different. I don't care. I, you know, I know y'all all act the same way at the end. Right,
1: but the, you know, the, the, the thing about different. it is, the thing about it is, is that um, there could have there could have been when when I was jumping in and out, there could have been twenty five professors from Harvard, seventy two professors from Tufts. Having all the knowledge and professional um, push for me, and if I didn't want it, which it I didn't,
2: but what maybe good is it if they had studied you and spent time talking to you
1: more but, but, than but, but five
2: or ten or fifteen minutes? Spend several hours. All they a day would have
1: gotten, all you, they would have gotten, was the well, chameleon. You might have started
2: listening to them, but all
1: they would have gotten was the all they would have gotten was the chameleon but that I was because to you I told days,
2: them you would. They might be able to figure it out. I don't know. There's got to be some patterns somewhere.
1: Oh, there has to be a pattern, yeah. But like if I don't want to change that pattern, sure. then what do you – okay, you found out that I'm following a pattern. Aha, okay. Now what are you going well, to
2: do? Until I'm willing to change. pattern and figure out how we can break it. There's got to be a way. There's got to be a way other than you being willing. <laughs> there must be.
1: That's the only way. Because, because if, if you don't have willingness, you're not going to get it. The well, root, is there the, an enzyme the, in the
2: brain? Is there a gene that can be tweaked? You know, can we give
1: him another medication to And there we go. There's a whole new and there's a whole new resource of cash.
2: Well, yeah, and and that you could say that that's happening with medication assisted therapy, except mm-hmm. for the fact that people are able to live normal lives if, when they're taking it, if they do it correctly. And if they don't. have
1: the willingness, we True. know that they, that on they occasion, they do have to they be don't. willing to, yeah, do, so, to take it
2: correctly or it yeah. isn't going to work. So it's very frustrating. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it's a complex illness, but I think it needs, at, at this point, it needs a lot more careful study. And I know uh, when Bill Wilson was developing AA and the 12 steps and the big book and all of those things, he considered a lot of this stuff. I mean, if you if you look at patterns from childhood forward, I, I can't. I don't think I've met an addict who didn't say, "Yeah, I had ADD or ADHD." I've never met anybody who wasn't diagnosed with that.
1: Well, um, y- uh, yeah, but I, I don't necessarily know if that is a precursor for it because I'm sure there are plenty that are walking around
2: there are that haven't that,
1: that aren't, but
2: there are so many that are,
1: you know. Right. Well, then, then I can ultimately say i have never met as many people who are left-handed as i have in recovery really absolutely
2: really yeah interesting
1: yep now that's only because one i'm left-handed yeah so i'm more aware but so so you really can't say okay add yeah yeah i was i had uh you know add i didn't have adhd because it was back in the 70s so they didn't add the h then i was just yeah, Nazi cuckoo, and they just you were hyper, didn't have the yeah. Hyper. So, but um, so yeah, I had that. Um, if you want to throw in, I I was left-handed. Yeah, okay, I was no, left-handed. there
2: there so, are studies that have proven that, that the ADD and ADHD are precursors for addiction. Well, yeah, but that's only because
1: that's only because what's the brain uh, that works differently? Well, one, but two, um, I said. I couldn't sit still. Right. Right? So I so I was more apt to do things that the Carmen joey wasn't going to do next to me. Right. Because I was on my seat ready to go. That be, that bell was I was in I was in church yesterday and the kid in front of me was banging his knee. He was mm-hmm. moving his knee up and Squiggly. down. I wanted to hammer him in the back of the head because that's, <laughs> the, that o- that's the only well that's the only thing I could concentrate on. Yeah. So I still suffer with it today, yeah. like yeah. majorly. Yeah. Um, but where was I? Oh, okay. So back in the classroom, I was willing to do things more so than the next person. So it was like, stick your finger in that socket. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, let's get ready to do it because he's the nut. They so I can't say that because of ADD or ADHD or anything like that. I had more, the more tendencies to use. It was something that was all part control. of that. Yeah, yeah, it was all part of that pattern. So it doesn't have anything. Yeah, it was impulse control versus. Um, being more susceptible to it because the person sitting next to me and all around me, they all had, they were all susceptible as well because they lived in my community, they lived in my environment. I was just the one that was willing to raise my hand and say yes. Dial eight six six four seven two five seven nine two. That's eight six six four seven two five seven nine two. If you have ADD and you believe what I just said, <laughs> we'll be back in a minute.
2: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America
3: Health & Wellness. Step by step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now your baby is in your arms, and you're on the cusp of a new journey, breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice, much of it conflicting, some of it outdated. Tune into Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuzo to bust through the myths about feeding your baby. Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
1: Do you find yourself caring for people in multiple generations? Are you exhausted, stressed, and overwhelmed? Instead of spending hours searching for resources and information, Dr. Merrill and her guests will provide you with practical, everyday information and solutions to help make your life easier. Tune in to Caught Between Generations, Thursdays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
3: What does health look like in an ailing world? How do we tend what needs our care? Join Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio hosts each week as we explore pathways to health for self, society, and the planet. We are home to a range of voices, as there is no single roadmap for meeting the challenges of our times. Tune in Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific and 5 p.m. Eastern Time to expand your perspective, deepen your attention, and cultivate practices that support personal, communal, and global health on Voice America's health and wellness channel.
1: I just like to hold on there and see how long that music will play. Uh, I just I just wait. I go, okay, we got another couple of But anyway, we have about 15 minutes left. So please dial 866 472 5792. That's 866 472 5792. During the break, I got a call from this beautiful woman that I choose to call mom. And um, I don't know if she's out there and willing to come in. I know she's listening, but Matt, if she's uh, available, pop her in. Hi, Mom.
4: Hi. Hi. How are you? I
1: didn't know I was going to be on.
4: Um, (laughs) Well, I called you because... Are you listening?
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, Well, I never listen, but go ahead. Yes. (laughs)
4: Um, No, but I know in in the past that... Um, you have said that you felt that uh, taking Ritalin it, as a teenager, a young teenager, um, could have been a something that twisted. Um, you were already ADD. You got a medication for school days only. But mm-hmm. then when you were back with mom and dad and, and your siblings, you didn't take it. Right, so someday so I asked if you had ever shared that before.
1: Yeah, and just to um, just to uh, well, just to jump just to jump on that a little bit, what ultimately what my what my um um repertoire was with Ritalin, I, I I think I was ultimately like the first kid in the city to take it because I was so out of control in the classroom that you know, it wasn't considered a a teacher's babysitting drug at the time. I mean, okay. it was, it was, th- there was a, this well, was a point where it was, right. It was a, it was a real need. And, and, um, so Dr. Downey, bless his heart, um, right. prescribed, prescribed Ritalin. But the, see, the thing was, was that being, being, the way that I am, and, and like Ellen was saying, susceptible to um, yeah. addiction because of my ADD and having the willingness to just do whatever that was in front of me. Um, and it wasn't, I wasn't at the point at that time where medication was more important than um, anything else. I wasn't trying to find a way out of my skin. Um, Ritalin I would take on Monday morning and Monday at lunchtime. Tuesday morning, Tuesday at lunchtime. If we had a snow day, I wouldn't take it. But I would take it Monday through Friday, twice a day. And I think I was on uh, 10 milligrams in the morning and 10 in the, in the afternoon or 20 in the morning and 10 in the afternoon or something like that. Oh, and, yeah. um, and uh, you know, on the weekends, I wouldn't take it. And on snow days, on long weekends, I wouldn't take it. So I was ultimately setting myself up. With withdrawal.
2: Did you feel real different? When
1: I don't remember. When you, when I don't did? remember. But um, what I do, but I, I can look back I, and I'm sure that I was right out of my mind on the weekends. Um, but yeah. I, <laughs> I do know that um, I was setting myself up to medicate myself um, because something wasn't feeling right. I was when looking forward to in Monday. Your mouth, you felt
4: a little better.
1: Right, right. So why not? Right, right. and um, I don't know. I I don't use that as a as a reason or a cause. Maybe when I no. didn't want to take responsibility, I. I could have at times saying that Ritalin was the reason why um, but I, but today I, I take full responsibility right. and you know.
2: Well I, I can I tell think- you because of my brother-in-law was an ADD child and he took Ritalin and he became an addict and for that reason when my children and both of them were diagnosed mm-hmm. with ADD, one was ADD and one was ADHD, I refused to give them the drug. Right. And <laughs> One of my daughter's psychiatrists said perhaps that was the reason she became an addict, that I didn't because you give didn't? her the oh, Ritalin. Can you believe that?
4: Yeah, well, that Yes, did. I can, I can. Um, but that was the order of the day. I was not allowed to give it to you on your days
1: at home. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's just the and way it was. To help you and cut, and I just right, thought it right. would be
4: good for parents to know. That, yeah, it's
1: something to so very When did I when did I start consider? taking that like 71 or 72 or something like that? Oh, I
4: don't know. I just know it was already in high school.
1: Oh, was I, I in high school? I thought on. I was in I thought I was yeah. in Yeah, okay, you're right. So it was probably yeah. 74 then. Yeah. Yep. 74, 74 75, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, you know the the thing about that is is that um there are still things that happen within the medical community that assist individuals into walking into full-blown addiction. Correct. And that's the sad reality. All the education that we have and all of the um, seminars that we can go to, if a doctor still chooses to use the Ray's Ritalin method, yeah. then he's setting one of his clients up for failure. Well
2: they're probably gonna give him Adderall now instead of Ritalin.
1: Which is which is no better.
2: No. It's just different No.
1: It's
2: and different it right? very much Well, it's very much abused. I mean people who in college who want to be able to
1: concentrate, even if they yeah. you know they don't have A D D or ADHD or but anything, you know the crazy thing about that is is that I, and I could never really understand it and it's it's not important but um, they were giving me speed, yeah, to slow down.
2: Right. And they you said know, people with ADHD, nuts. when they take speed, instead of getting speedy, they slow down. And I, I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand that logic at all. Why not let the kid be the energetic kid that he is and help him to learn that way?
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: Yes, that would be ideal.
4: But we're always looking for ideal and it always goes uh like you mentioned early on in the program it goes to more studying more research and not
2: let's help these people right and then we I, need
1: immediate help i think you're quite right no exactly and just to just to change the subject real quick i have a, i have uh one of my cats in the studio <laughs> and it's drinking out of ellen's glass she always comes and drinks out of glass. my
2: water glass <laughs> He'll come so, in about halfway through the show and do a little quiet meow and jump up here and eventually drink my water. But we share it. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Good night. Good night, Peggy.
4: Oh.
1: Good night. Sorry. Peggy, that's my dog.
4: I know. <laughs> I didn't know it was it. A...
1: Oh,
2: Ellen. Ellen.
1: That's okay. It's fine. Good night. It's
2: okay. Very nice good, talking to good you, night, as my always.
1: Mommy. So we have a couple of minutes left, and um, you know I think it's been a, a a good a good show because we really one didn't have a topic, and two uh, we shared about a lot of stuff that is is really important, you know. And, and one of the things that that we need to keep speaking about, and and we need to keep very very open, is that there has to be some kind of order of. Business with the, the with recovery. I mean, everybody has their idea of what it is that they can do as a business to be successful. Sometimes along the way, the client base gets lost. Exactly because of that, you and know. It, it,
2: there's a lot of follow the money. A lot. But, you know, we've on our show, we've interviewed a lot of people with a lot of different ideas who are doing, you know, a lot of different things to try to help people, you know, who have been afflicted. And, I, you know, yeah. that's one of the things that's been so interesting to me about even doing this show is there's so many different
1: ways that people can recover. But let's make them. <laughs> and that shows you right there that that you can't do recovery in a box it doesn't work for everyone you know i i kind of you know the people that i got clean with 28 years ago and the people that you know within that you know 30 to 26 to 25 years we kind of had to like figure it out as we went right you know because it was there was information but there isn't the information that we have today they weren't into brain waves and all of that stuff back then i think it was just like shut up and do it. Yeah. Do it or die. And we lost a little bit of that do it or die and all of this um, manufactured recovery. Right. I Um, agree. But then do it or die doesn't
2: work for everybody either. So
1: no, it doesn't. I
2: I think there's a mixture of toughness and kindness that has to go into it together and Mm -hmm. not everybody I'm not very good at that. I'm a marshmallow. Right. But there's got to there's there's a way of coaching, of of looking at you know the needs of the individual that I think we we're missing somehow. You know, it doesn't work that way for for
1: Susie, but it will work for Charlie. Right. So so how do you you know how how do we how get do that figure, message? Yeah, and um, how do you
2: figure out who needs what?
1: Um. I, you know, I, I guess I guess it starts on the, and for lack of a better way, the cellular level. When somebody comes into a facility, you need to know who it is and who they are, and they just, they just cookie-cutter you immediately. Oh, yeah. You need this to calm down. You need that to calm down. In three days, we'll take you off of that, and then you'll be in our community, and you'll be sharing on whatever it is that we're sharing on that day. And when there's 28 to 30 people sitting in a room, uh, some would twenty-eight to thirty days, and some would two or three. That message is like gone. That message is lost. So that's why I say, Susie, that gets a job six months down the road, she's got a tainted message right. that she's working She knows working the
2: one off. way, and that's yeah, that's the unfortunate thing. And because the one way on isn't going I'm everybody. not
1: picking on a girl named Susie. <laughs> <laughs> so if you or your Organization would like to be part of Miracles and Recovery, send us an email at ray at miraclesandrecovery dot org. That's ray at Recovery dot org, and we will send you a media packet. You can come on the show and share your experience, strength, and hope, your wisdom, your um, professionalism with what it is that you are uh, representing and we will definitely we would definitely like to get your message out there. We've heard like you said we've heard countless on the show countless different ways of doing this stuff. Yeah,
2: and that people are helping.
1: And the the bottom line is is that you know there is no real right or wrong way to do it. The only way that you can attempt it is through abstinence. And, uh, you know, I think that if you give yourself a break, get out of your own way and have the willingness to have somebody show you how to do that just for one day, I think you're well ahead of the game. And, you know, fortunately enough, I've. Put people in my life, or people have walked into my life that have been able to do that and have been able to share with me on a daily basis on things that I do today that one may be not um, good for someone else's recovery, but it, but it at least uh, gives me a good uh, gauge on who I am, where I am, and what I probably need to look at. And I'm grateful today. So so surround yourself with people that don't necessarily have to be in recovery. Surround yourself with positive people. I know that there's negative people out there that would readily embrace me. I knew you'd be back. Yeah. I knew you'd be back how much you have in your pocket is what it would be. Oh, you, oh yeah, you, you, you look heavy. You must have a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, you, you must have a lot that we can burn through. And, you know, today... Well, you have um, a toolkit
2: now. And, yeah. you know, I've heard people say toolkit, and I'm starting to understand what that means mm-hmm. because, you know, I've watched you go through some stuff and I see the way you very logically broke it down, understood your feelings. And I think that's important too. I think a lot of people don't understand right, and they their don't feelings. i not run from them today. Yes. You know, I, I don't necessarily like them. They don't like scare them. you. I don't right. like them
1: as much. Right. But, but you're, you you're willing
2: to take a step back. And, or you act on right. them. And that's uh-huh. part of your toolkit.
1: No, exactly. And I, I,
2: you know, I've seen you do it and it's amazing to me. I can't do that. I just pop off.
1: More will be revealed. <laughs> and with Miracles in Recovery... Hope is in your corner. I made her say that a little bit earlier. We still have about 30 seconds left. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, if you, if you want to come on the show, please by all means dial eight six six four seven two five seven nine two next week, next Monday. Uh, Eastern eight o'clock and uh, or send me an email at ray at miraclesinrecovery dot org. That's ray at miraclesinrecovery dot org. Um, thank you for listening. And Ellen, do you have anything that you want to say before we go?
2: Well, I'll say thank you for listening as well. Hope is in your corner. Good night, everybody.
1: Good night and stay blessed.